Hey there, it's Raleigh. I want to catch you before this episode to tell you about our new and improved bonus podcast, More Mercy. Each week, I break down a MercyCast episode and show how it not only intersects with Scripture, but how it impacts our daily lives. This short devotional episode is only $3 a month, which is like $4 less than a cup of coffee at the Mermaid Place. To access it, all you have to do is click the link in the show notes. Remember, no matter what you're going through, there's always more mercy. And now, on with the show. Welcome to the Mercy Cast, where we're learning the art of compassion through the adversity of life. I'm your host, Raleigh Sadler. It's December 27th. Christmas was two days ago. And if you went back home for Christmas, you're still with your family. Some of you had family come in this year. Some of you are dealing with all sorts of things that you couldn't have possibly prepared for. See, Christmas is not always the joyous season that people say it is. Because as soon as Christmas is over, now you're looking down a barrel of New Year's. Now you have to be better than you were in the year previous. Whatever hang-up you had, whatever struggle you had, now you have to be resolute. You need to make new resolutions and change the things that you hate about yourself because it's a new year. Well, this mingling of the old and the new doesn't always bring peace, even though the whole point of Christmas is to celebrate peace on earth, the arrival of Jesus, the king who's come to fix the broken world. But in the holidays, sometimes we just sit there stuck in brokenness, wondering why, dealing with depression, frustrated. Today, I am joined by someone that you may remember. Her name is Krista McDunn. She's a licensed professional counselor, and this is her second time being on the MercyCast. Krista, welcome to the MercyCast again. Thank you. It's great to be back. Thanks for having me back. Absolutely. See, Krista, I like talking to you because generally when we talk, we don't just have a conversation for like 30 to 45 minutes. We end up talking for like 45 minutes before and then like 20 minutes after. You know, we have the Mercy Cast for us is just a starting point. And so I love how we've gotten to become friends over the last year and just have some very serious, honest conversations. And that's why I wanted to bring you back to talk about this idea of blue Christmas, this idea where we experience depression or we go into funks when we really should be happy because everything we're seeing on TV is telling us to be happy. Mm. Everything we're listening to on the radio is telling us to be happy. Every store we walk into, the marketing is designed around our happiness and something about that can bring us down. And so as we start, I want to know what's your favorite sad Christmas movie or sad Christmas song? My Mm. favorite sad Christmas song is Prince's Another Lonely Christmas. It is amazing. It's amazing. Have I ever, I I don't know if I've ever heard that. Well, my Christmas mixes have these songs on them that, yeah, they're they're just kind of bummers and they're beautiful for that. You know, it's like another song that's on there is called Grateful for Christmas by Hayes Carl. And it's a song Mm -hmm. about how as a kid, he was grateful because he got to see the family. But over the years, most of the family have died. And now he's just grateful to be with the last remaining family members. Oh, I mean, wow. it, it's a 
<laughs> it's a bummer, but it's yeah. it's one of those songs where I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's some real life stuff right there. But it's it's not your typical Christmas carol, you know? And I right. think people, artists for years have been trying to balance and process this idea that Christmas is supposed to be a joyous time, but we don't always experience joy in the midst of it. Yeah, I think one of mine is I go back to, you know, Judy Garland, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Because if you if you watch that in the context of, oh, now I'm not going to be able to say the name of the movie that that was in. Shoot, it's totally flying out of my mind. But they trace this family. Oh, meet me in St. Louis. So this this family lives in St. Louis and it's leading up to the World's Fair and they go through an entire year together and it culminates at Christmas time. And they're like, if you haven't seen it by now, I'm going to spoil it. But they're the family's going to move. They're supposed to move to New York. Nobody wants to. And the youngest sister is sad. And so Judy Garland sings, have yourself a merry little Christmas. And the whole premise of that, though, is that it's kind of like, you know, they're, they're sad, you know, and they're, they're lamenting that they're moving and all these things. And so that's one that comes to mind. But as you were talking, what's that one song about? Is it the Christmas shoes or something about the, the, the little kid's mom is like dying and she wants to get her mom's shoe? Like, it's just like, oh, my gosh, it's just brutal. I mean, it is absolutely brutal. And I used to go to the church where that lead singer went. And so every Christmas he would play live in concert Christmas shoes. And oh, my gosh, it was one of those things. I'm just like, I mean, this is I can't handle it. It's a tearjerker. And they apparently have a holiday special. So if you just want to get more depressed (laughs) and just more sad, then watch the Christmas shoes holiday special. I think Rob Lowe's in it. I mean, oh. That's that one's that came to mind as you were talking like that one. Just I remember the first time I heard it, I'm like, oh, man, I can't. It's just too much. Well, it's a wonderful life is like that, too. Right. Yeah. It's it's not a wonderful life for like an hour and 15 minutes. Yeah. It seems like a pretty big, terrible life. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, yeah, there was good happening in the adversity. (laughs) Right. Right. It's a great message. I love that movie. They unfortunately probably ruined it back in like the late 80s, 90s, because the rights, like nobody had the rights to that movie. It was on 24-7, like somewhere for the entire month of December. And so they kind of overdid it back then, but now they limit it again, which is good. But I do love that movie just because I, I, I don't know, I just do. But it's kind of redemption based. So I, I guess I like that. And I think we need a dose of redemption because right now we're probably feeling some things. You know, maybe it was a great holiday, but maybe there's some stressors that are on us, especially over Christmas tide. You know, you're going mm-hmm. to deal with stress and expectations, loneliness, financial strain, and family conflict. And yeah. I think a movie that gets these four things perfectly is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Clark Griswold goes through all of these things. He's dealing yeah. with stress. He's dealing with expectations, loneliness, finances, and all that. Yeah. He's not going to be able to get the pool put in because he didn't get his bonus. And then right. to add to that, the family conflict. I mean, it's all four of those things are there and they're 
present. And I think that's what makes that movie brilliant is that they captured and kind of exaggerated, but they captured what we all can experience during the holiday season. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, I remember I was thinking about this as we were going to talk about it. I remember my mom and my aunt when I was younger, they'd be talking on the phone. I'd, so I'd probably, on, I'd only hear my mom's part of the conversation, but, I, but they would be talking, like they would be making plans, like whose house are we going to be at and what food are we going to have or whatever. But they'd be kind of, in all honesty, kind of complaining and, and no offense to them if they're, you know, listening to the podcast, but like how stressed they felt and the, you know, they were kind of communicating their, the anxiety they felt. And at the time I'm just a little kid. And I remember thinking like, stop it. You're ruining my vibe here. Like, I love Christmas. It's all, you know, as a kid, you're really stoked about it and everything. Then I became a mom and I realized, Mm. oh my gosh, I get it. I get why they did that because at least for me as a mom, some, some men are really into Christmas. And so they are the, they can be the keepers of tradition. But I realized for my family, I was going to have to create traditions and to kind of make Christmas happen for people. And that was incredibly stressful to me, whether it was the food I chose for the menu, the presents I bought, the way I decorated, all of those things. So I felt a lot of anxiety around Christmas and I understood why my mom and my aunt felt like that. And so there's that, these, these expectations or the feeling that you have to create the Christmas special, you know, for your family. But then, then there's the obvious things that we think about, you know, that there's loss. Some people this year faced a Christmas and someone was missing for the first time. And the, the first Christmas they spent without that person, whether it was through death, maybe divorce, just really heavy things. And so, yeah, there, there's that, or there's memories of past Christmases that were unhappy. There's just so many, so many heavy things, so many emotions that are attached to Christmas. And I think it's because of what you said, the, the way our media, the world shows Christmas, the Hallmark Channel, like the loneliness aspect, or what if you're not in a relationship or those kinds of things, it just leaves us wanting, you know, and I, I actually was thinking about it and I thought, I wonder if it's like that in other countries, like, or is that a, an American thing? Like, are we the ones that are just depressed because we hype this up so much or is it happening in other nations, I don't know. It'd be I. I'm just. I don't know why that occurred to me, but it'd be interesting to know. Like, does the rest of the world feel this too, or is it just us? I have no idea. Um, well, it's, it's that weight of expectation when you talk about this idea of making Christmas happen for people. Yeah, you're trying to create an experience that only that person can have if they choose to have it. Right. And we are just looking around and there is so much pressure to experience it. I've had very few really solid Christmas experiences because I feel like I don't prepare early enough. I know some people, it's November 1st, their tree's up, they're ready. They're listening to nonstop Christmas songs. They're making cookies. They're drinking eggnog. I mean, they're living the dream. Because they want that Christmas season for as long as they can have it. Yeah. But I grew up in Florida. You know, it's hot here. 
you never have a white Christmas. No. I mean, it's probably more more to the tune of the actual first Christmas, you know, with Jesus. That's I mean, true. Weather was probably similar. I don't think people were sledding by the stable. You know, nope. I think with Jesus, I, I can really connect to this hot Christmas. But because of the hot Christmas, the only time you see Christmassy things are when you like drive by a palm tree and there's lights in it, or you go yeah. to Macy's and you see things set up there in the local mall. But there is that expectation that we have on ourselves that we're watching the commercials, we're listening to the songs, and we're like, I need to be more. Mm. Or I need to be more giving. This is a season of giving. And yeah, not all of us are the best gift givers. So some of us feel a heavy weight, a heavy pressure when it comes to right. giving the right gift. And then some of us, we're sitting there with family members that we do not know well. They haven't talked to us since we were five. And the Mm -hmm. only memories they have of us are from when we were five. And so they keep bringing up that time that you you tried to ride the dog and you ended up breaking its back. And not that I did that (laughs) because we always had strong dogs and I was a very, Mm -hmm. very, very, very slender child. But that said, there's always that thing that can come up when these random family members who we just do not know well come back and say, it's Christmas time. And you're just like, great. Even the ones we do know well, you know, that can happen with. And and before we started recording, we were talking about boundaries a little bit. And it, yeah, it, the boundary issues come up. Like if you're the youngest in your family, but you're, you, you might be 40, but you're still the baby. And right. it's just like, oh my gosh, really? You know, that, that kind of stuff is, is hard to take. So yeah, it's just, it's complicated. It's just really, really complicated. How would you navigate family conflict during the holiday season? It's a great question. Whether it's family conflict or even issues of loss and things like that, you really have to kind of be gentle with yourself, I think. not. I don't mean that in like overly so, but particularly, let's say for a loss, like I would, I would recommend that people try to engage, you know, if you, if you get invited to the Christmas parties or the things like that, whether they're family gatherings, work gatherings, things like that, you know, to, to be a part of those if you can. But also if, if that day, you know, or during that day, you're like, I've intended to go and I just can't, you know, or even New Year's Eve stuff that's coming up and those kinds of things. If you just can't do it and you're like, you know what, I just can't, that's okay too. But as far as family conflict, I think having good boundaries is really important. And in some ways, being able to extend grace to people is obviously good. But there's times where it's it's just really, it can be really, like the boundary crossing is just really bad. And so you are free to leave too. I've had that happen where, you know, we've we've had a good night. It was great. And then certain questions start being asked. And then it's like, well, time to go. It's great to see you. Merry Christmas. We're heading out. Yeah, um, you're not under contract. You don't have to stay there longer than you want to. Exactly. And you're not a bad person if you step away. Just be like, hey, I'm getting tired. Yep. But- and even give it like even when, if you don't leave, give yourself breaks during the the time that you're with people. And there were times there where I would do that. Like if I were hosting, 
there were times where I ran up to our bedroom for 15 minutes just to get away for a few minutes because I needed a break. And nobody missed me because they were all busy talking, doing their things. And, you know, and that that's okay, too. Well, blame you know, it on the inevitably spiked eggnog, you know? It's like, well, that eggnog, I, I blame... Well, no, the eggnog was... That's sober eggnog. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I think I need yeah. to leave, you know? Not yeah. not trying to advocate for a passive position here, but sometimes you do need to just... You need to get out of the situation. Yeah. Or, like, I remember when I, you know, when I was interning at the hospital and and there were people there that struggled with substance abuse issues, like particularly with alcohol, since you bring up the spiced eggnog. And so we would talk about that, like in group therapy, we would be like, okay, the holidays are coming up. What can you do to stay sober when you're with people that are drinking? And so we would talk about like, what are some things that you can do that sound maybe passive, but they were really protective measures. So one of them was, we were like, always have a glass in your hand. Mm. Like have the red solo cup or whatever in your hand with your Pepsi or your water or, you know, cranberry juice. And because if people see you without a drink, they're like, let me get you a drink. And so now there's this pressure, right? And so we would coach people through that. Like, what are some behaviors that you can be doing that are going to lessen the pressure? And so even that's specific toward drinking, but you could even think of that kind of stuff. Like what what kinds of things could you maybe do as you are dealing with family? And and even though it's the 27th and people might be thinking like, well, I already had that. Some people are still going to have upcoming parties. You know, you, you can't always be with all the family on Christmas Day. And so you may be going to a party today. It seems like Christmas week. It just kind of can continue. But yeah, so you can you can kind of think ahead, plan ahead a little bit and have a strategy in place. Of like, okay, what what can I do? How long might I stay? Give yourself a time limit, you know, and say, I'm going to stay for 90 minutes. And then if things are going well, I may choose to stay longer. But if they're not, I may choose to leave. And that's all right. Well, and with New Year's just a few days away, I mean, this is also another holiday where people get super excited. They get amped on this idea of experiencing something new. And oftentimes that translates into parties, that translates into drinking, that translates into social hour, and people are having a blast. And so for people who are really just trying to hold their sobriety, how would you help them think through approaching New Year's? Yeah. I mean, some of the things that we said, like kind of have a plan, but even decide like, do I want to do this? Do I, do I want to have my own party and where I get to be kind of in control and of what's being served and you can evaluate kind of your friends, like are your friends supportive of your sobriety? And if so, enlist their help, let them know ahead of time. If you have a trusted friend, for example, that, you know, they just, they've got your back and just say, can you come with me to this party and just help me through it and and be an encouragement to me because this is challenging for me. There, you know, there's a lot of ways to do that or be the one that brings the sparkling grape juice. And that's what, what you can drink or, you know, whatever. I mean, everybody's comfort level is a little different with that kind of thing. So certainly though, if I would say to someone, if they're really, really new in their sobriety and they know that this could be challenging, you you may want to consider, do I want to even go to something like that? It's kind of like, 
you wouldn't go to a bar and hang out because the only point of going to the, a bar typically is to drink. It's not necessarily a bad thing. If, if you realize for yourself, you need to just not go, then, oh, that's okay. Don't go. Yeah. To me, that anything that someone needs to do within reason is, is probably fine. But I, I think depending on other people who are supportive of you in that is, is really important to at least have one person. Because everybody's family cultures are different and, and their party cultures. Like I've, I know people like my family, we didn't like, we didn't serve alcohol growing up. My, we just didn't. We had apple cider and, you know, spice cider or whatever. But then I know other people that it was like, we did shots all night. Like that's how we celebrated. And so everybody's family cultures are different. And, and so, yeah, you kind of have to navigate that. Hopefully people will be supportive in those circumstances. But yeah, it's challenging. So we've mentioned sobriety. We've mentioned stress. We've mentioned loss. We've mentioned unmet expectations and family mm. conflict. You know, when I think of Christmas, like I said earlier, my Christmases are not necessarily the Christmases that you see on TV. In fact, with my family and my mother has been unable to walk for over 20 years. And so she's, mm. you know, bedridden and we make the best of it. But our Christmases have never necessarily, especially since then, been something to where we could do a lot. And so, you know, for us, Christmas is a meal and mm -hmm. it's being around family and it's watching a Christmas special or watching the most random movies you could possibly think. A couple of years ago, I went to Redbox because there's still one of those in my hometown. And I went to Redbox and I was like, my mom, right as I'm leaving, my mom says, don't pick anything weird like you do. That's what oh. my mom says. And so uh -oh. I said, okay, you're going to throw me under the bus like that. Fine. Okay, whatever, mom. So I go to the red box and I'm just sitting in line because again, the red box is the spot. The mm -hmm. red box is the spot in Cocoa, Florida. It is the place to go. And so here I am, I'm waiting in line and I see this picture of Mel Gibson. And then I see this title, Fat Man. And it's basically an action movie about Santa Claus, like if he had basically been a mercenary or something. It, it was incredible. So I tweet out that I'm watching Fat Man for Christmas and the director reaches out to me on Twitter and he goes, really? You think your family's ready for a, <laughs> a Western style Christmas movie? Because it's basically like a Western. And, oh my gosh, that's so funny. And it was amazing. And my mom was like, this is weird. My, my, this is what I, I think my dad about, was into Raleigh. it. My dad was into it. <laughs> but you have to either build some bridges or stay on your side of the water or whatever. But sometimes yeah. in a season that is known for connection, sometimes we can feel very disconnected and it's hard to bridge that gap. True. It's very true. Yeah, it's, it is, it's just, it's really hard. I think it's indicative though, if we're, if we, like, what are the spiritual implications, you know, for those of us who are believers, I think what happens is if we're honest with Christmas, what we're describing is we're left wanting, like, especially that unmet expectations, or even if there's difficulty relating with people that, you know, 
we're left wanting. Why don't I have a better relationship with my parents or siblings or whatever? You know, why why do these parties become contentious at times or those types of things? Or why am I dealing with this addiction? Why is this so difficult? But when you think about it, so here's this holiday that we're celebrating the arrival, the birth of the Savior, who is going to, as scripture tells us, he's going to wipe every tear. He's going to make all things new. And so we're, yes, that's where our source of joy comes from. If we're going to have joy in the midst of all of this that we're talking about, that's where it comes from. But even with that, I think it can feel like, is this it? You know, I mean, the people, certainly back in the day when Jesus showed up, they didn't believe it was him because they were like, this was not how we expected the king to arrive. This, that, like, to, like, it seems like the, uh, he's an illegitimate kid born in a stable. You know, that, this isn't very kingly. And, and so, yeah, it doesn't fit our narrative. But here's the thing. We're still in that state of wanting even spiritually. Like we know that positionally we're saved, we're justified, but yet we're still waiting. We're still waiting for him to come back. He hasn't yet wiped every tear away. He hasn't yet made all things new. And so we're in this already and not yet state, right? And so we, I think we just feel that pervasively. We know, I suppose even for non-believers, that's why that's, Th- those unmet expectations, that that desire for the perfect Christmas that doesn't really exist, we want that. And, and, and I guess spiritually, we're looking for that too, but yet we're not there yet. We're looking for the glorification, and, and we're, we haven't arrived at that point yet. And so we can, but we can look ahead with eager anticipation, with joy that we know what's coming. And that, that can be a sustainer, I think, for us in these difficult times. When we, when we get right down to it, that's, we're, we're longing for that renewal, that rebirth, even for New Year's, right? And the resolution, like you said, we hate ourselves. So we make our, we, we want to change the things that we hate. And it's just like, but you know what? Jesus is, is doing that too. We're in that process. And so is it bad to make resolutions or have good goals? No, it's fine. But but we can't put all our eggs in that basket either. Because if, if we could do that, we wouldn't have needed them to come. You know, so like, can we just rest? And that's what I want to talk about. Because as you're talking about Jesus, you're talking about the first Christmas, you're talking about the years mm-hmm. that would follow shortly after as Jesus is growing into who he is. I'm reminded that the first Christmas wasn't all that great. They didn't nope. get to stay where they wanted to stay. You basically have a teenage mother born to a subjugated people. Mm-hmm. There were questions of paternity because Joseph is sitting there. He kind of wanted to leave because he's like, well, she's pregnant. Yeah. We have not been together. And and I'm not a genius, but I know how these things work. Right. And, so, and I look like a fool. And I'm I look safe. like a fool. So I, I want to leave. But he stays because he is yeah. told and assured that God is doing something amazing. Mm-hmm. And we just look at the story of Jesus, this baby in a manger that we we sing about away in a manger no crib for a bed we romanticize it don't we absolutely but christmas yeah. 
exposes our vulnerabilities. Mm. Jesus became vulnerable in every way that we're vulnerable to save us. Right. And so as we're talking about these things that we experience, maybe there's a subtle gift there that this is an opportunity to own what we're feeling. It's an opportunity to accept that maybe I don't have it all together. Maybe I'm not surrounded by people who have it all together. And maybe, just maybe, that's okay. Yeah. And then we look at New Year's, and again, it exposes our vulnerabilities, but in a different way, because now we want to shore up things. We don't Mm -hmm. want to have that perceived weakness. We want to be strong this year. So this year, we're going to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. This year, we're going to not do this thing that we did last year, whether it's yell at a family member or imbibe too much or eat too much or not work out enough. We're going to get it all right this year. Well, that's just a different way of addressing your vulnerabilities. And to be honest, Christmas and New Year's shows us our tendency to try to escape the inevitable rather than facing it. It shows us our tendency to deny what we're experiencing rather than to own it. Yeah. You know, I I think of this really old newspaper article I read once. I guess it was the Cincinnati Examiner. It's from the 1800s. And they're talking about how it's the night before Christmas and Santa is loading his sleigh on the island of Manhattan. So he wasn't in the North Pole yet, according to this article. But what happened was shortly after that, he had to move out of Manhattan because there was so much industrialization, so much massive immigration that Manhattan didn't look like it used to. So he takes his sleigh and he goes to the North Pole. Santa escaped reality. If Santa (laughs) is escaping reality, so will we. Yeah. And so as we're talking about Christmas and New Year's, What are you trying to escape? What are you trying to run from? And what would it look like if you faced it? It could be a conversation at the dinner table. It could be stepping away and taking a breath. It could Mm. be just saying, you know what? This is what I'm feeling right now. And I accept that I'm feeling this. Right. I I think even as as you were saying that, it's some of these things that we're talking about that we struggle with at Christmas and New Year's. It's the very reason Jesus had to come. Right. Because we don't have it all together and we can't pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. We, we can't. And so it's interesting that at that, the time of the year that the one who shows up, or at least the time of the year that we chose to celebrate it, the one who shows up to rescue us from ourselves and our sin, that we get bummed out because it doesn't meet our expectations of what we thought it should be. And what if we used it to serve as a reminder, like to almost embrace those things, like you're saying. And it, okay, so there's a concept in, in psychology, of uh, radical acceptance. So radically accept that this, that this mess that I'm in or the, the way that I'm feeling, this is why Jesus has to come. So I can feel joy at this time of year, even in the midst of my hardship, because it serves as a reminder of why he came in the first place. You know, so you almost like flip the script a little bit. Now, the thing about radical acceptance is it doesn't mean you like it. 
Right. You know, it doesn't, you don't have to like it. You might even seek to change it. It doesn't mean you just sit in it and, and you're like, well, it's hopeless. This is just the way it is. Doesn't mean that. It just means that you accept it and you stop trying to fight the fact that it is. You know, you just are like, okay, th- that, that overused phrase, it is what it is. That's radical acceptance but it, to, you know, to really, truly just go, yep, this is the way it is right now. So how am I going to navigate it now that it is this way? You know, what if we did that? How, like, would our experience be different? Would we, like, could we let go of some of those expectations that have either been foisted on us or that we've created ourselves and just be, what would that look like? And that sounds like what Christmas is all about, because Jesus comes to a broken world and brings mm. healing, but it doesn't look like what we expected. And I think every Christmas we face that same thing. And I'm not, I'm not going out there saying, you know, we need to put the Christ in Christmas. I'm, mm-hmm. And I'm not, you know, campaigning against people who say happy holidays or the color of your Starbucks cup. That's not really my point here. My point is that it's in the small things, the ordinary things, the broken Mm -hmm. things, that we're going to see the reflection of a Savior who was broken for us. We're going to see a reflection of a vulnerable Christ who came, he lived, he died, he rose, to ultimately write humanity with God, to write creation with God, to set everything that was wrong right. And I just think as we're talking about this, that yes, we've talked about a lot of things that we face in in a really weird way. It's almost a backwards invitation to sit mm. with him, to sit with God and say, yes, I accept this is how I feel right now. I accept what happened at the dinner table. I accept the fact that so many of past feelings have come back today. I accept that. And now that I know that that's what's happening, I'm not fighting it anymore. Now that I know that that's what's happening, I'm going to decide what to do next. Right. And that's so much different than trying to have the best Christmas or the perfect New Year's resolution. Mm -hmm. That's owning it and saying, okay, now that I've owned it and I'm no longer denying this, what do I want? Yeah. And what do I want to do? Because... To be honest, the gospel is that Christ did what we could not do for us. Mm. It's Christ for you. That's the gospel. But oftentimes, holiday season is marked by what do we do for God and others? Yeah. If we don't show up at midnight mass, God's going to be angry. If we don't Mm -hmm. show up to this party, our friends are going to hate us. Yeah, you're right. I I was thinking that. There's a lot of legalism in this, right? Yeah. Yeah, and that's that can be a New Year's resolution, right? Like, oh, I have yeah. to do this. I mean, it is really hard to get in the gym the first three months of the year. I bet. Because <laughs> everyone is crushing it, and they are pushing right. it really hard. But you go in there around March or April, you're doing all right. There's like three people in there. Yeah, the treadmill's open. Oh, the treadmill <laughs> is open. No one's running. Yeah. And... Just regular folks just doing their thing, trying to stay healthy. But yeah, the resolution, the law, it can only motivate us so much. The law can't necessarily motivate ultimately the thing that it requires. Right. It just exposes it. 
Exactly. Cannot motivate perfect obedience, but perfect obedience Mm -hmm. has come in our place. In the right. In the person of a small child in an ancient Near Eastern town on the backside of nowhere. Right. Yeah, and, and that's so interesting. I never thought about Christmas, like Christmas culture, you know, that that's kind of what we're talking about, is actually very law-based. And and but yet we're in the midst of singing songs about comfort and joy and things like that. And it's like the law doesn't feel very comforting or joyful necessarily because it it reminds me of where I fall short. But there is still hope because of because of what you said, the gospel. And so we can, we have hope in the midst of if we're radically accepting where we're at, we can still have hope because Jesus came. He lived the perfect life that we're incapable of living. He he died the death that belonged to us and he rose again and he exchanged our sin for his righteousness. And he's coming back to to claim his own. And so we can have hope in the midst of the struggle. And that's where we find our joy in that hope, not in in stuff or the experiences and and things like that. But it it all comes back to the gospel. Well, and you mentioned the advent of Jesus into humanity, and you also mentioned Christmas culture. So I want to compare the advent of Jesus and the advent of Santa Claus. Hmm. Think of the song, Santa Claus is Coming to Town. You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa Claus is coming to town. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty or nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. Now it gets weird. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good for goodness sake. And there's a few other verses. But the point is, is you're exactly right. There is this Christmas slash holiday form of legalism. Yeah. I don't let that makes me not want to be with Santa. No. Santa sounds scary. No, he's a little bit of a creeper. You know, he's like he's not this jolly old dude. (laughs) He left Manhattan and then things got weird. Like Yeah. But it's there's so much of you got to play the part. And that's the Mm -hmm. beauty is Jesus, he lived that for you. You don't have to play the part. You can be normal. Your resolution right. this year can be to not make resolutions. Or, Amen. Or your resolution kind of can be, I don't know, I want to be nice to myself and just give it a shot. I want to give this a right. shot this year. Or, or yeah, a New Year's resolution is I'm going to look at this new year in light of the gospel and realize I'm free to try because if I fail, it's already like I know where I'm going. You know what I mean? Like, like my salvation doesn't depend on my success. So I'm free to try and I'm free in a way to fail. You know, it's, it's kind of like, I don't know. My pastor gave, and he may not be the only one. I, I think other people have heard this other places talking about our sanctification. It makes me think of this. He gave the example of like a toddler learning to walk. And, you know, they're toddling along and they're wobbly and they inevitably fall down. And what does a parent do? They don't look at their toddler and go, oh, man, I can't believe you. Look at you. You're the worst walker ever. No, they any parent worth their salt 
picks their child up, sets them back right on their feet and says, you're doing great. Keep going. And, and Joe, my pastor, that's how he described sanctification, that that's what God is doing. He's picking us up when we fall. He sets us back up on our feet and he's like, look at you go. You're doing great. Keep going. Now, are we doing it perfectly? No, we're not doing it perfectly, but we're in process and we're moving forward. And I loved that image of God being that loving father, picking us up and gently setting us back on our feet and encouraging us. And what if we entered a new year like that? How different might our experience be? Absolutely. It would take the pressure off. Mm. Yeah. It would take the pressure off. And Krista, as we wrap up our time here, what are a couple of pieces of advice that you could give us as we're sitting in the middle of the holidays? The presents are all unwrapped. The meals are eaten. We're focusing on leftovers now, and we're just gearing up for New Year's Eve. I think, well, I talked about it earlier, being gentle with ourselves, I think is important. And I don't mean that in terms of like, make excuses for yourself. That, not that. But I also mentioned the word rest. Can we rest? Many people, kids for sure, are off of school. And some, some adults, parents are, they take that week off between Christmas and New Year because their kids are off of school. And, you know, can we spend that time resting and rejuvenating. And and that doesn't mean, it, it may look like sleeping until noon. Maybe we need that. You know, sometimes we just do. But mentally, can we rest? Mentally, can we think about how we might approach a new year where we intentionally set aside time to rest and just things like that? Can we just, can we be and be okay with just being a bit? And again, not there's a time for goals. I'm all for that. That's a good thing. But to also be okay, just not being okay. Can that be something? Or can we think about things like how can we take care of ourselves better? Not just the typical weight loss stuff and things like that. But do I need to see a counselor this year? Is that something I need to do? What ways can I take care of myself better mentally this year? Maybe, yeah, maybe we have goals, but maybe they look different than the ones we see in the ads on TV. But yeah, I think just reevaluating our perspective could be helpful to ask yourself, am I looking at this in a legalistic way? And is that really healthy for me? Those are the things that I, I guess pop into my mind first and foremost. I resolve to be okay with not being okay. I resolve to be gentle with myself. I resolve to focus on my health where I can, but also know that I'll probably not knock it out of the park. Right. There's something disarming about that. Mm. There's something clean about that. There's something almost new about that because we're used to the tired old, I've got to do it right this time. Yeah, the perfectionism, that's part of that. And this year, we can just focus on being, like you Mm -hmm. so eloquently said. Krista, thank you so much for joining us for this special holiday episode of the Mercy Cast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me and have a happy new year. Have a blessed new year. If you are interested in more stories like this one, buy my book, Vulnerable Rethinking Human Trafficking. 
Also, if you want bonus content, you can click on the link in the show notes to access our new and improved weekly bonus podcast, More Mercy, where I dive deeper into each episode. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and leave MercyCast a five-star review. I want to hear from you. You can email me at info at mercycast.com. This podcast is brought to you by Let My People Go. To learn more about how you can love your most vulnerable neighbors through your own vulnerability, go to lmpg.org. Till next time, have mercy on yourselves and each other.